1: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.
2: Baseball in progress. Dodgers leading Atlanta 1-0 in the top of the fourth. And as we were interviewing... Zach Kalaros from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers walk off home run for the Astros. They beat Tampa Bay 4-3. Tampa Bay still leads the series, though, three games to two. And uh, that Dodgers and Atlanta series is 2-1 in favor of the Braves. Dodgers do have the lead, not as big a one as they had early in yesterday's game where they got 11 runs in the first inning. Really appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, Tough news for you sports today that's uh, the Canadian university sports organization. They will not proceed with any national championships. And then Canada West conference announcing that they will not start the season in January. So what had happened was the U of a, first of all, had pulled out of all sports for the entire year. Uh, Canada West said they would like to play after Christmas. They, they had a date earlier this month to make an announcement. They pushed that back to early November. In the meantime, Golden Bears hockey and Pandas hockey got funding to have a season, so they would have started in January. But then U Sports today says we can't do any national championships, so then Canada West says, Well, we're not going to do any sports. That's kind of a Coles notes of everything that happened, so that's tough. Uh, no uh, university athletics, uh, really well in, in the West and uh, most of the country for this season. Meanwhile, with the Western Hockey League, we have a target date, and that date is January eighth to get the season going. Ron Robison, the commissioner of the WHL, offered some details today. said he would like to play fifty games. The Memorial Cup is on the schedule for mid January or for mid June. Pardon me. We don't know how the uh, the playoffs would look in the WHL. They, uh, you know, want to kind of limit travel but yet limit overnight stays at the same time and the alberta teams would only play in alberta so that's how it's going to be for brent sutter and his red deer rebels brent welcome back to inside sports you're on with reed how are you doing i'm doing good reed thank you yeah thanks for checking in uh you know we usually have uh you or cam moon or a player or two to talk hockey we're talking some off-ice stuff today uh first of all just kind of your impression of how this this led to this january 8th target date how are you feeling about it
0: well you know it's been a it's been a process it's like anything else it's, it's our whole world has been dealing with but uh you know it's been there's been a lot of a lot of communication obviously from um ron and certain personnel around the league with governments, uh six jurisdictions, whether it's Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, uh, BC, and then you got of course Washington State and Oregon. And you know, we just yesterday we came to a decision that uh, you know, that uh, there has been some progress made in uh, in uh, obviously in Saskatchewan Manitoba and uh, discussions are still ongoing there and there's certainly discussions ongoing with uh with their own province here in Alberta and along with B.C. and Washington, Oregon. So, you know, we made a decision that, uh, you know, January date is certainly a date now that we're going to target, but obviously it's still with lots of communication with the provinces and the two states. And, uh, you know, we're certainly hopeful that we can get going then, and that's our goal. And uh, whether it's with fans or maybe without fans, so we just got to see how our discussions are and see where, you know, where health ministers in our provinces are at. You know, they've been outstanding with uh, communication and um, the dialogue has been very, very good. Um, So, you know, we just got to see where it goes. But our our goal is to to get going on the 8th of January. We had to have something for our players. Uh, You know, it's their careers, right? And that's, uh, you know, it's about developing and, uh, them wanting to get on to their next level, whether it's professional sports or CIS schools or whatever, and so we got to do everything we can to try to have a season. And um, you know, so this is a stage we and now the communication will continue with the with the provinces and the two states and see where it goes.
2: In terms of not having fans, Brent, like is that is that viable for the league and for the rebels specifically to to do that? I mean, could you? Can it work financially, or are there risks perhaps to some franchises if you can't have fans at all?
0: Well, obviously you don't have fans. It's You know, it makes it really tough financially, no question, for every team. Um, you know, so, you know, there's no revenue coming in. and uh, So we just got to, you know, we got to see where it all goes, and, uh, you know, and hopefully we get to a point where we're having – some kind of capacity in our buildings. Uh, but, you know, again, that's let's just wait and see how this all unfolds.
2: How has it been keeping in touch with your players? I don't know if you've been able to do any virtual online trainings, uh, meetings. What are you doing in that capacity?
0: All of that. You know, we've had a lot of, once a week, uh, there's been, uh, uh, from in Red, you're here, we've had our uh, our coaches in our. Uh, and our fitness people communicate uh, communicating with their players uh, um, where they do a Zoom call and go through each week what we're going to be doing and how we're going to do it. Um, you know, and some guys have gyms at home. Some guys are able to get to some some different, you know, maybe it's neighbors' uh, downstairs gyms or, you know, maybe it's something that uh, they can just do at home or, you know, whatever. So we're, we're, we're certainly been... Uh, a lot of communication with the players on that end of it, and then uh, you know, and then for myself, uh, just been so busy with working with the league and the CHL to see where this is all going to go. Trying to get back to playing, but you know, but uh, coaches have, and nephew Sean is my assistant Jim has been communicating a lot with the players, and, um, and I touch base with them every little while just make sure everything is going exactly the way. They want it in the way it needs to be at this point in time. Obviously, they're, they're having a, you know, it's been a, it's been hard for them. No question about, you know, the players and the uh, yeah, no unknown, right? And so as it is for everybody else, but, uh, you know, but they, they, they got good heads on their shoulders. Uh, you know, again, they've been totally updated on everything through this whole process. Uh, and they've been updating their parents, so we've been uh, we've been having a lot of you know, a lot of good communication with uh, with the players from the from the organization.
2: All right, Brent Sutter joining us on Inside Sports, President GM, Head Coach of the uh, Red Deer Rebels WHL, shooting for a January eighth return. Are you and, and Ron sort of touched on it today? But are we looking at okay if the Rebels might have to play Lethbridge? 10 times, like you yeah. might, could, could you spend six days in Lethbridge and play four games? Like, is that probably what the schedule is going to look like? Or am I getting ahead no, of myself?
0: It, yeah, no, that they're all not we're trying to minimize obviously travel and uh, our expenses. So, um, you know, they're, we're doing this to have no over to, you know, obviously that we can't move outside of our provinces. And so we'd have to play uh, within our province. So, if current would move to, to Saskatchewan they'd have seven teams with Winnipeg and Brandon, the two crowds there working together. So um NBC would just stay in B C and um, you know and uh you know they, there would not be any overnight stays. It'll be, you know, go play and maybe you'll play the team that next night in your building. Um oh. so no one's stay, no one's staying overnight, right? There, you know, we still gotta sort through the schedule. Um, you know our goal is to trade, you know, hopefully get to 50 games, but, you know, it might be less than that, too, just seeing where it all goes and, uh, you know, seeing if whether we can have any kind of, a, you know, attendance at all will we'll determine what are, how many games we're going to play. Really, that's probably it at the end of the day.
2: Okay. So if there was a series against a team, though, it would probably be a, a home and home as opposed to you staying
0: in a city for multiple days. Yeah, that's for sure. That, that we, okay. we're not going to be. Uh, yeah, we're not going to be uh, having uh, teams with the expense factor to have to stay in hotels and stuff like that. And uh, it's you're better off to get back into your bubble. And uh, and then if you're playing that team, playing home and home. And then uh, and you know when you're whether you're playing two or three games a week, I you know and. You know really at the end of the day i don't think it's going to matter which which days of the week you you play because it's your capacity is going to be you know going to be minimal so uh at any at all so we just gotta we gotta manage that yet and we still gotta go through it all and and figure it all out and obviously the you know we'll know more as we go along here with our communication with the governments and the health ministers and uh, and how a schedule can work and how it can uh and how the protocols would be. That's that's very, very important too. The schedule is just one thing. It's mm-hmm. the protocols and and we've uh, we've implemented some really, really strong ones and uh, we'll get some help from medical people on it and how to do it. And, uh, you know, and I think it's been, it's been, uh, you know, I think well received by the governments and the health ministers and we're working with them to try to make it right. Brent,
2: I want to just touch on a couple other things with you. Uh, Of course, uh, the the majority of your National Hockey League playing career is with the New York Islanders. You won a couple of Stanley Cups. Uh, The Islanders had their best playoff run since 1993, which was uh, shortly after you you were uh, traded from the Islanders to the Chicago Blackhawks. But, I mean, the the entire 1980s for you with the Islanders. I, I know it probably seems like a lifetime ago, but is there a soft spot still for you with the Islanders? Was there any uh joy for you in seeing that team do well or, or are you too
0: far removed from it no obviously you know it's uh for sure i mean i you know when you place in for an organization as long as I did and i know it's changed ownership and uh, uh and so forth a lot of things have changed over the years but uh, uh, you know you're still you're still loyal to that team and uh, uh you still want to see be successful uh you know they got you know their fan base is, is great uh, uh you know very very supportive fans uh, you know you look at the job Lou's done there, there's the general manager going in there and the job trots he's done going in as coach and um you know and they've assembled a really strong team and um so yeah you you certainly are pulling for and you're hoping they do well and you want to see do well and so you know it's uh, it's all part of when you play for someone You know, I played there for 10 years and and just over 10 years and played in Chicago over seven years. So, uh, you know, those two teams uh, are certainly teams that when you played there and you're very loyal to those organizations, uh, you want them to continue to be successful.
2: And I guess from a Western Conference uh, perspective, of course, there is a young man with the last name Sutter on the on the Vancouver Canucks. And, uh, yeah. and they did okay. they they, they pushed Vegas didn't did weren't quite able to get it done in the end. Uh, but what did you think of the Canucks playoff run and uh, of Brandon's contributions?
0: Well, it was a great, you know, it was a great run for them and a great experience for a lot of those young players to go through it and what it takes to play off off you. Um, you know, so it's you know to get through that, Everything you go through is uh, beneficial, just not today, but down the road for them too. So, you know, it's 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 a big step for them. Um, You know, they hadn't been in playoffs for a while, so it was. uh, I know players and staff were all very excited about being in playoffs, and uh, and I thought they handled themselves very well. I mean, Vegas was a strong team, and I think their experience um, uh, certainly showed in that series, and uh, you know, they were just. Probably the, at the end of the day, the better team won the series. But the experience that the Canucks went through uh, will be nothing but beneficial for them all. And uh, you know, Brandon got an opportunity where he's finally healthy, and I, I think he showed the type of player he is when he is healthy. And I thought he played very well the playoffs and down the stretch, uh, or the, you know, that those, that series leading into the into playoffs. Uh, so, you know, I. Uh, you know, I was happy for him. It's uh, you know, it's had a lot of injuries the last three years, and uh, and they've been injuries that you can't prevent. Like you don't can't prevent sport sports any injuries. You can't prevent you know a puck hitting you in the face and breaking your jaw. and You know, and so it's those types of injuries that are, it's unfortunate. And uh, but you know, I thought he was, and from what he was saying, he was he felt really good, and uh, he finally felt healthy, and uh, so I you know I was happy for him. and you know, he was able to contribute in more the way he would like to. So, um so it was all good. But at the same time, I mean every player wants to win, right? So uh win a Stanley Cup. But it's a tough thing, you know, when you're in that bubble and you have to be like get all the way to the finals like Dallas did and then you get beat out. That's uh that's a real tough one, right? So but as far as Canucks go, you know, I thought they did very well.
2: Brent, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for updating us on on the story here with the WHL and your perspective on the, on the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, we love talking to you. Hopefully, once we get into the new year, we're, we're talking about games and all the ups and downs of the seasons. We really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you bet, Reid. Thanks a million, bud.
2: That is Brent Sutter checking in tonight, who is the GM coach, president of uh, the Red Deer Rebels. So, yeah, that January 8th target date, and as he said, they're they're they actually want to cut down on travel, and, and staying over so i was wondering okay if the oil kings go play lethbridge do you go there for a weekend and play three games in four days and as brent said probably not uh, you know a team might go down play the other team and then they they both head back to the to the other city and, and play again the next day or a couple of days later so it seems like that's how the whl is leaning good to catch up with brent and uh yeah hopefully that january 8th date holds strong for the western hockey league we're back after the break Marv has texted 780 496 0063. Says, Hey, Reed, happy to hear Brent Sutter on the show. I live just outside Red Deer, usually go to about half dozen Rebels games per year. Hopefully, there are fans in the building and they start up in early January. That is from Marv to the text line. Uh, the big L also writing in. I, I read an email from uh, someone named Mark earlier in the show who said that uh, he likes seeing Mike Smith come back. Well, here's the, I got the email. This is what Mark wrote. Smith uh, earned a contract with the beating he gave Talbot and people should leave Darnell Nurse alone. He's a very good defenseman that we would have a hard time replacing. I'm a diehard Oilers fan for life. Holland and Tippett equal the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Big L has written in a response to that. He says, uh, Reed, I loved Mark's enthusiasm. However, unless Holland can play goal at 920 for three quarters of the games and Tippett can successfully play one of the wings for McDavid, the coach and GM don't add up to a cup win, still need to plug some holes on that roster and need the cap space to do it. That is from the Big L. By the way, I, I talked to uh, a couple of people today. The KJM called in last night. KJM, I don't know if you're tuning in today. But saying could the Oilers acquire, you know, somebody like Nathan Horton and put them on long term injured reserve and then that would free up a little more money once you get into the season. Um, you know, I was told by a couple of people who would know about this, that that really wouldn't make sense to do that. And if they do put Oscar Clefbaum on long-term injured reserve, if they have to do that, the Oilers wouldn't do that till they send in their opening day roster because then that maximizes the amount of cap relief. But generally, I was told it wouldn't make a lot of sense for a team to acquire a player just to put them on long-term injured reserve. I guess Toronto kind of did that in the past. There were some circumstances there that made that unique and they was able to make them work. And don't forget, you still have to pay the player in terms of real dollars. And if you're the owner of an NHL team, and sure, you you might be a billionaire, but do you want to pay a player a few million dollars knowing he's never going to play, that he's just there to possibly create room for other guys? So anyway, that's probably very unlikely for the Oilers. <laughs> Uh, there's a little van halen i'm sure a lot of people spinning their cds cassettes streaming eddie and the boys ever since we lost eddie dodgers and braves tied 1-1 in the fifth and earlier houston beat tampa bay 4-3 with a walk-off homer so they stay alive tampa bay still up 3-2 in the series no thursday night football that game pushed back because uh the uh, the bills were supposed to play in it, and they just played the Titans on uh, on Tuesday, so the the NFL has had to move some things around. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you can reach me on the text line or by calling inside sports at six chad.com is the email I mentioned got an email from Mark earlier in the show. Okay, well, I, I, this this next guest I've always thrilled to talk to. I first uh, enjoyed his writing. Then he uh, wrote for Sports Illustrated. His ninth book is called Three Ring Circus. Uh, his other work, Gunslinger, about Brett Favre, Football for a Buck, about the USFL, that's an absolute beauty. Uh, boys will be boys about the Dallas Cowboys. So much great stuff. It is Jeff Perlman back on Inside Sports. Jeff, you're on with Reed. How
1: are you doing? Can we just talk about Van Halen? Yeah, we can a little bit. What's I your favorite Batman album? Batman. Ah, man, it's probably 1984 because it was so instrumental as a kid. And um, I also what I love about Eddie Van Halen that I feel like a lot of people, maybe they learned this week, is that he did the guitar solo and Michael Jacksons beat it. And it's just a great little guitar, you know, run that Eddie Van Halen did. He was uncredited. he's on the video. It only came out later. The guy was this. there are very few guitars who you hear and you know they're the guitars. And he's that rare guy. So big, uh, big loss in the music world.
2: Yeah, big loss. Uh, You know, I'm a big Van Halen fan. One of my best friends who uh, I I met in university, and our first conversation started was because he was wearing a Van Halen shirt in a class we were in together, and that set off what is now a a 30-year friendship. So that's pretty cool. And I uh, I assume you know about the Canadian band Our Lady Peace. We had the former drummer of the show on, uh, Jeremy Taggart, uh, last week. And they opened for Van Halen when they were touring for, um, for Balance in 1985. And I asked about the relationship with uh, Sammy and Ed, and he said, "Yeah, they were already done. Like Sam, they knew Sammy was leaving. They they weren't speaking." So it's amazing, you know. They still put out Balance, which is a pretty good album, and had an extended tour. And the relationship was pretty much already done.
1: Did you own the Gary Sharon uh, Van Halen three? I think it was. Did you buy that? I bought
2: it. I bought it the day it came out. Jeff, I don't. I think I only listened to it twice, front to back. It is not strong. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. <laughs> but, but I do, I, I got CDs somewhere in the house. I, I do have it. Yes. Yeah. What <laughs> uh, I got to ask you, I, we've done, you're usually on the show every year or two, if if there's something I, I see you writing about that sparks my interest or when you're cranking out a book. I think we've talked to you when you've been in uh, New York I think we've talked to you when you've been in L.A. Where, where are you right now?
1: Well, I live in Orange County, so I'm about an hour south of L.A. I'm literally outside Ralph's Supermarket as we speak. So I can give you the play-by-play of my grocery list if you'd like.
2: <laughs> That's amazing. You're fitting me in <laughs> in grocery. I, I feel bad now.
1: I'm upsetting your domestic routine. Don't feel routine. bad. It makes it interesting. Um, also, turkey's on sale. So sliced turkey's on sale. So everything's good.
2: Well see we just had Thanksgiving. As you know, we Canadians do it a little earlier. So man, I wish yeah. you told me that. You could have sent me up a cheap turkey.
1: <laughs> no, it's deli meat turkey. It's not it's not a, oh. it's not a big turkey. It's just deli meat. So, but they put a lot of chemicals into it and in it so I feel like it could last for a while. I'm what here to here's help a, you read, whatever I can do.
2: What me. what percentage of Americans are aware that Canadians celebrate Thanksgiving 6 weeks before they do? Oh, 3%. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you knew it. Um, I did, but I can't say I could give you the date. So I'm not. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to be all. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to make myself sound smarter than I am. I'm not that
0: smart.
2: <laughs> well, you, you you fake it well enough to have written some pretty entertaining books. So let's uh, let's Thank let's you. go there. Uh, Three Ring Circus is the latest one. Let me start here, though, because a few years ago you wrote showtime which was about the 1980s lakers and and i love going through that era um and and i know this is a different era of the lakers but was there any reluctance on your part to go to go back to the lakers or or tell me about the idea for this book
1: um there was actually i didn't i didn't love the idea of doing another book on the same topic you know i like diversifying and i like Like, I don't do books because I love a sport or I love a franchise. I do books because I think the ideas are good and maybe the characters are good. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, I can't wait to do another Laker book. But I just really thought Shaq, Kobe, Phil Jackson, the Bus family, Jerry West. They're just a lot of great characters. It's a big market team, so your sales potential is good. I mean, you obviously think about that. So uh, that was it. But I was in no, I didn't need to do a Laker book. It wasn't like I felt connected to the Lakers in any great way so did
2: did someone did someone kind of spark you for this or was it this or something else I'm just wondering how this is the idea where you actually start doing the interviews and writing stuff
1: well you know as you mentioned my last book was about the USFL and I think I almost gave my agent a heart attack by pushing that book because the sales potential were not the you know it wasn't uh wasn't a Woodward topic, you know, so it wasn't like it was gonna be just this huge seller. And you know, you do think you, you, you have to think about your career a little bit. So you think about what um you know, what subjects can sell and, and generate interest and I just I just find Shaq one of the most fascinating characters ever. And I was really interested in Kobe. I can't say I find I can't say I was riveted by Kobe Watt during this project the way I was Shaq. But I thought the dynamic between the two of them was really fascinating. And, um, you know, I just I just sort of, I just thought, all right, this is a good topic. But it wasn't like anyone was pushing for me. it. definitely wasn't like my agent was like, you should do. My agent never says, like, you should do. I usually just uh, give ideas, and then we'll talk about it. And I brought this one up, and he was all, he was good with it.
2: Um, so, I mean, we lost Kobe obviously, in the spring. So you had, he he's uh, an interview subject in the book. You were able to sit down with him?
1: I did not. I got uh, Shaq at length. I got Phil Jackson at super length, and Kobe was the one guy I didn't get. And um, I was told very early on that I would not be able to get him, and he's kind of guarded. And I also think, um, you know, the whole Eagle, Colorado sexual assault situation is a pretty big part of that period. I write about 96 to 04, and I think the idea of rehashing that was not one he particularly relished, which I understand, obviously. So uh, I, you know, I interviewed about 300 people, but Kobe Bryant was not one of the 300.
2: Oh, interesting. How 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 challenging is that when? Because I think Favre didn't. Did did Favre wind up declining to, to talk to you for Gunslinger as well?
1: Like, how challenging yeah, is that to talk, not got, get a? I it's um, I guess all of, uh, Favre's pretty much everyone in Favre's family, but not Favre. Um, it sort of motivates you, you know. Number one, you can't get mad about it because nobody owes you their time. I always say, like, you're Kobe Bryant. You don't have a great motivation to talk to me. You're not going to make any money off of it. You're not going to have any say in the book. You know, like, you don't get to see it before it comes out. I never get mad about it. But um, when they don't talk, though, there's something inside of I think most writers, we are just like, all right, well, to hell with it. I'm just going to go harder than I even started going. And I'm just going to bring it as hard as I can. And I'm going to write my butt off. And I'm going to report my butt off. So um, that's kind of what I did. You know, I just kind of went hard and reported my butt off so and look I, I i'm
2: i'm gonna read the book and i know you want other people to get it and read it but I, but i do want to tease a little bit the Shaq kobe relationship in that era was it was it strained was there jealousy what did you find out
1: i would love to be the guest who's like i can't talk about any of that you have to buy the book imagine <laughs> that <laughs> are there people who did that i don't even know i I'm, that's not me um it was super strange it was um you know kobe arrived um, out of high school, and he's at his first he's at his first uh, Laker practice. Like, they all get together in 96. They're in Hawaii. It's training camp. Kobe shows up. It's a team with Shaq and, like, Nick Van Exel and Eddie Jones and you know, a lot of veteran kind of guys. And they all go around and they introduce themselves. And when I get to Kobe, he says, hey, I'm Kobe, Lower Marion High School. Nobody here is going to punk me. Like, that was his introduction to the Lakers. And they're like, who the hell is this guy? So, um... Shaq never took to it, and Shaq really wanted guys like what Shaq wanted was people to sort of embrace him and confide in him. You know, like he just was a really warm guy. And Kobe had no interest in that; just didn't do it for him. So, um, I just think it was never really meant to be a great relationship, and it certainly was not.
2: Interesting. Jeff Perlman joining us tonight on inside sports. The new book is Three Ring Circus, uh, and we look forward to seeing this. Uh, what about what about Phil Jackson? Because well, I'm trying to remember. I mean, this was almost 20 years ago. It, it, you're, you could totally correct me, but I, I feel like if I go in my memory banks, the storyline was that it was always Phil Jackson's last year, and then he would come back, and then that was going to be his last year. My, is that vaguely true,
1: what I'm recalling? Well, I'm going to say two things about that. Number one, eggnog is on sale for $5.99, but I think it's way too early for eggnog. So I'm pass. <laughs> and number two, I would disagree with that statement because no. – Okay. I don't think that's really true. I mean, he he, he basically he really struggled with um, Kobe. Like, he never was – the problem with he just got frustrated a lot. It was a frustrating time to be a Laker coach. You know, like, he, when he coached the Bulls, you always knew the pecking order. Jordan was number one. Pippen was number two. Pippen was never trying to be Jordan. You show up with the Lakers, and here's Shaq, who's clearly the, the centerpiece, the main man. We're going to build around this guy. Everything is around Shaq. But Kobe doesn't want that, and he used to drive Phil Jackson absolutely insane. You know, like we're running the triangle. Well, maybe we're running the triangle. We're running the triangle, and Kobe wants to be a part of the triangle. But this was really, really frustrating. So it's not that he was uh, planning on leaving every year. I just think every year at the end, by the end of the season, he needed a lot of drinks because it, if Kobe could. Sh- I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead. Obviously, Kobe was a, a really impressive person and with an amazing career and amazing family. But he was not an easy guy to coach for a lot of that time, and I think it. It exasperated Phil Jackson.
2: So the Lakers just won the title again. You know, LeBron went to L.A. and, and gets another title for that franchise. And, um, you know, what it had been a decade, which I guess in in Lakerland is a long time between championships. And, and Jeff, I'll just throw this to you. Uh, I've, I've read it and heard it said, maybe even you were the first person to say it. I'm not sure that the history of the NBA is really the history of the Lakers and the Celtics. Uh, how true is that?
1: Uh, Number one, I never said that, but if you want to credit it to me, I'm comfortable with that. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I would say that's... You can certainly make an argument, a case, but certainly the the modern post-1980 history is Lakers-Celtics-Bulls. Yeah, I think you can make a case. I actually thought, you know, it's funny. I was taking a walk with my wife the other day. She's not a huge sports fan, and um, she was like, do you think Jeannie Buss feels less about the season? Because, you know... It was a shortened season and the bubble, no home games. And I actually said the opposite. I was like, you know what, this is probably the most impressive season you're ever gonna see from a team. They all the things they had to go through, playing in the bubble, not being around family, no home cooking, no home court, all the strife, the awkwardness and weirdness of playing through COVID. I think it's one of the most impressive seasons ever. I really do. Like I think of all the things LeBron has done, this is the capper. Like this is like he guided this team at age thirty five in a bubble to the nba championship i think it's remarkable and someone not maybe someone who was there will write a great book about this season well maybe you that'd be good <laughs> i wasn't at the bubble i think it has to be someone who was there to be honest and like it's oh, fair fair enough a
2: couple more for you jeff and i know you gotta get the rest of your, your groceries here and maybe even stock up on eggnog to be prepared uh look and i, I ask you this every time you're on I mean, you're such a great writer. You tell interesting stories. You inject a lot of humor into your into your work, which I like. W- when is the hockey book coming? Can you, can you find a hockey topic that will sell for all us? Like, you'd Are sell they, 30 million copies in Canada. <laughs> now, I know
1: you asked me this last time I was on the show, and the answer is the same. If you want to pay me money to write the Pat Flatley, Pat LaFontaine book about their time together with the Islanders, I'm all in. But otherwise... I'm just holding out for that subject. Pat, Pat Flatley arrives. Pat LaFontaine arrives. They're both on the Islanders post-Dynasty. It's a, it's a million-selling bestseller waiting to happen, but nobody will give me a deal. Otherwise, the- I don't have a hockey book in me.
2: Why is it those two players? Why is it those guys?
1: <laughs> because I remember being a kid and thinking, oh, they have the same first name. That's kind of interesting. That's all I got. <laughs> My hockey knowledge is almost <laughs> zero. It is almost. Okay. I remember David Bolick,
2: Pat Flatley, and Pat Lafontaine. And that's about it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, so uh, well, I, we appreciate you coming on in Edmonton. Here's the last, like a good interview, uh, Jeff. I've okay. saved the question that might make you hang up till the end. Great. <laughs> it, it, I mean, since you know, uh, since you know a lot about basketball,
1: uh, better player, LeBron or Jordan? Okay, first I want to say. You know, we happy you to know the Betty Crocker super moist cake is, is on sale three for five dollars. Second of all, I have to go Jordan. Uh, although my, my all-time greatest player is actually Kareem. I think a lot of people forget the dynast, that you know, dominance of that guy's life. But I just, when I watched the, uh, the last dance, I was just reminded how ridiculous Jordan was and how he, the thing is like, and I'm not saying LeBron, I don't think that LeBron deserves any criticism for this. I really don't. But like, Yeah, Pippen was really good. But, man, Jordan was doing that with a lot of, like, you know, Steve Kerr's and Will Perdue's and Bill Wennington's and, like, those teams, they were not loaded teams. They had two great players. Pippen, I think, was a very, very good player. I don't know if he was an all-time great. So I just think he was never going around picking his teammates. You know, I don't know. I just think Jordan is, is, I mean, to me, he's in a class above LeBron, and I think LeBron is amazing
2: did uh did jerry Krause get a bad rap in the last dance i mean he's not around to yeah. defend
1: himself for offer oh. yeah you know what it is it was the meanness of jordan that really bothered me like why do you have to be that mean i was at jordan's hall of fame induction speech it was the meanest pettiest speech i've ever seen why do you have to do that why do you have to bring someone else down to feel good about yourself why do you have to remind people of someone else's shortcomings 15 years after you dealt with them it is totally unnecessary i, n- I never understand that
2: yeah yeah, that's fair. Hey, I'll let you get back to the grocery shopping. Hope life in Orange County is good. Uh, Jeff Perlman, the new book is Three Ring Circus. It's now available, right? People can go and get it, get it for Christmas already?
1: It is available for, for Christmas and also uh, a belated Thanksgiving. For <laughs>
2: <laughs> there, there we go. Jeff, thanks for doing this, man. We'll talk down the road. All the best to you. Uh, all right, thank
1: you so much. Take care.
2: That is Jeff Perlman, uh, absolutely great writer. The books are uh, outstanding, and I love having him on the show. He always finds a way to be entertaining. Doing grocery shopping in Orange County, and he stops that to come on Inside Sports. Uh, I've got a couple texts I want to catch up with uh, from John and Darren. Appreciate those. I will read them aloud when we return. All right, John writes in. He says, hello, my COVID coping NHL season ideas. Maximize bubble opportunities. Minimize travel. Cycle through intra-division round robins using as few venues as possible, avoiding disease hotspots. Eight round robins would be 48 games for Canada. Uh, Seven round robins, 49 games for American divisions, playoff ranking by win percentage. The Canadian division plays the Central Eastern versus Western United States. Running the rinks and ticketing with one third capacity should be doable, would be tricky, but could be fun schedules. There's a thoughtful text coming in from John. Not sure that you're going to get players back into any form of bubbles, but uh, they might be able to figure something out. And uh, D uh, this uh, texture says D H here. He says, you're not going to believe this, but I'm picking up Chet and listening to your show from Kitimat, BC. Amazing. And he says that is on the radio, not through satellite. Strong signal. It is. Well, we got a, we got a strong signal. We we basically uh, like Brian Hall stands on the roof of the building and stretches, you know, with a little antenna. A little further higher to give that signal a couple extra meters and boost it out a little further. That's my understanding of how radio transmitters work, Kellen. That's pretty close to how it. Yeah, really close, works. close enough. I mean, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta sum it up. We, <laughs> we gotta sum it up for the purpose of brevity. But so I, no, appreciate you tuning in, DH. That's, that's good to hear from you. <laughs> Absolutely. I uh, hope your dad's okay, buddy.
0: Yeah. Uh, he uh, came home this afternoon. So uh, yeah, just long story short, my dad had a uh, pacemaker procedure done where they actually implanted a pacemaker uh, this morning. And uh, so far, so good. He's uh, When I left him this afternoon to come down here, uh, he was watching baseball. So things are good. Oh,
2: good, good man. Mm. Great. Right on. Well, say hi to him for me for sure. Definitely. Okay. Braves lead the Dodgers 2-1 in the bottom of the sixth. The Braves are up 2-1 in the series. Houston with a walk-off homer, and they beat Tampa Bay 4-3 to stay alive. The Rays are still up 3-2 in the best of seven. Hey, really appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. You heard from Jack Michaels, Jeff Perlman, Brent Sutter, Zach Kalaros. Again, Perlman's new book. About the Shaq Kobe Lakers three ring circus. I'm going to have to pick that one up. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name's Reed. Have a great night.